0: Welcome to Bringing Reading Back, a virtual book club podcast where we hope to rediscover our love of reading. Now you're listening to a pre-pod episode. This means that tomorrow we'll be releasing our more in-depth discussion of this book. However, if you can't be bothered to read it before then, we're going to tell you the summary now. So stick around and BRB for now. Everybody, welcome to Bringing Reading Back. I'm Tori, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts. Hey, I'm Danielle, and Jade. Today we are doing the pre-pod for Behind Closed Doors by B. A. Paris. Does anybody want to take it from the top? So just a
1: quick um, trigger warning slash disclaimer, Behind Closed Doors deals heavily with mental and psychological abuse, as well as intense situations of domestic abuse. So know that going into both our summary and our breakdown. But with that, sure, yeah, I'll get started. Um, so we open up Behind Closed Doors with the perfect dinner party. So you are in the mind of Grace Harrington, who is now married and is Grace Angel, and she's talking about how she is being the perfect hostess. She is talking to Esther and Rufus, um, two of her husband Jack's friends that he just met, as well as Diane and Adam, some friends, some longtime friends of her husband's. Um, And she's just kind of talking about the different balances between, you know, trying to get the soufflés done at the right time and getting the food cooked to perfection. And I'm just talking about like how adoringly Diane sees their relationship and how perfect she, how perfect
2: everyone thinks her life is. So during this dinner party, uh, one of the topics of conversation that comes up is uh, Jack and Grace's relationship. And they've been married for about a year. Diane and Adam are talking about You know, they're this perfect couple, and they keep saying it. They're just so perfect, and we never see them fight. Oh, tell the story of how you met. Grace begins to tell this story um, to Esther and Rufus, particularly Esther, um, because she makes a comment about wanting to win Esther over. And she tells the story of their first meeting. And so you get exposed pretty early on. You find out that Grace has a younger sister named Millie, who's about 17 years younger than she is. And Millie has Down syndrome and is currently living at a school where she'll live for the next few months until she turns 18. But whenever they met, it was because Grace and Millie were out in Regent's Park next to the bandstand and music started playing. And Millie, who is wonderfully spontaneous, as Jack describes her, decided to get up and start waltzing to the music. And at first, people kind of looked around a little uncomfortably. They, They weren't quite sure what to do. And out of nowhere, Jack comes swooping in and starts dancing with Millie and immediately wins Grace over. They're dating for a very short period of time, about three months, whenever they get engaged. And then about three months after that, get married. So you learn that they have this picture-perfect story of where he swooped in, was the perfect gentleman, and just won them both over, won
0: over Grace and her sister immediately. The book is written in kind of a past-present chapters so i'm sure i'm gonna get lost and confused so we're probably just gonna go in chronological order i assume now so millie or uh after grace and jack meet and of course he is the perfect gentleman he sweeps her off her feet uh time and time again he uh asks her to marry him and so of course being a little bit older and not really finding or not really having success with anyone uh, because she's always met with with reservations to Millie because she has pretty much been Millie's primary caregiver as her parents were a lot older when they had Millie. She had Down syndrome and and re- really they didn't want um they didn't want another child anyways. So Grace steps in and says that she will take million after she graduates and no man has really been accepting to that and jack really is so that seals the deal for grace and she decides that she will marry him under the stipulations that she will quit her job and sell her house because he really wants her to be able to focus on being the perfect housewife and and his job is extremely stressful because he's a he's an attorney that fights domestic abuse. And so he doesn't want someone to have a... He doesn't want a wife who has a job that he has to kind of come home and and deal with. So she agrees. They set their wedding date. Again, he's the most perfect gentleman. But on the day uh, of the wedding... Unfortunately, there's an accident, and Millie falls down some stairs and breaks her leg. So she's rushed off to the hospital and uh, misses the wedding. Then, uh, during the wedding night, the night of the wedding, um, they go to this lovely hotel. Grace decides to kind of prepare herself, so she takes a bath. And once she comes out of the bathroom, she discovers that Jack is nowhere to be found in the room. So after she waits a while and is unable to reach him, she leaves him some pretty uh, hysterical messages. Uh, Rightly so, she's wondering where her husband is on her wedding night, and she gets a message back that says... uh, something along the lines is, as hysteria doesn't suit you or something. She's really taken back and has to spend her wedding night alone. She then wakes up and Jack's still not there, and so she has to prepare herself to go to the airport alone as well. And finally, after several hours, Jack shows up to pick her up.
1: It's important to note at this point, like, she doesn't even know when their flight leaves. Like, he's controlled everything about the wedding, and where they're going and all that. Um, So Jack shows up and is like, you know, get in the car. No explanation, no niceties, just get in the car, pack the stuff up, let's go. And on the way there, she's freaking out, right? And he is like, I I had places to be, you know, I just had to do what I had to do. And she's like, well, we need to go to the hospital to see Millie because I promised her. And he fights her on this saying that. You know, Millie's not going to remember. She was sick. Or, no, she wasn't sick. She was, like, in pain and medicated from the ambulance. And um, she wouldn't remember. And Grace is like, it doesn't matter. I said what I said. We got to go. So he pulls over and says, like, Grace, you have two choices. You can either come with me and, you know, we'll go on our honeymoon. Or you can get out of the car, get your stuff, and walk to the hospital. You know, and she's blown back. Like, she's taken away that her perfect idealistic husband that she'd found is all of a sudden super rude and unpleasant and so she decides to go on the honeymoon with him and he immediately takes her passport they get to thailand and we find out that jack angel is not um as his name portrays he is actually a super manipulative and controlling man so he starts off their honeymoon telling her a story of his childhood he speaks in the third person, um, imagine this boy who, you know, sees his mom as weak and his dad is, and he fears his father. And then eventually he sees that actually his father is getting power and control by controlling his mother. Um, and then, you know, this father abuses the mom and the boy grows to like it so that he participates in the violence. And then imagine he grows up and what does this man do? And he's like, he marries you, Grace meaning he wants to find someone to control like his father did. And ultimately, he and he, Jack, killed his mom when he was a kid because she tried to escape his father. And so he's telling her this horrible story um, in Thailand on their honeymoon, and he goes, by the way, Grace, um, and this is, I think, when we find the epitome of like how terrible he is, Molly uh, doesn't have there's no there's no housekeeper for molly so molly is a puppy that he'd bought her before they went to thailand and he said he'd hired a housekeeper to take care of her while they were on their honeymoon and he tells her that there is no housekeeper which the full reality of that doesn't hit her till they get back home that molly has dehydrated to death and starved to death in the closet cuz he tied her to uh, or he trapped her in a utility closet so through thailand he jerk jack um kind of conditions grace to act how he wants her to act. So he gets everyone to think she's crazy. He chops her on the balcony for hours while he goes and does uh, whatever he wants to do in Thailand, which we find out later is participate in violence for pay. Um, so we don't know all the details of that, but it's not sexual gratification through like sex with men or sex with women. Um, it's gratification through violence. She tries to escape a couple times. And again, everyone's just convinced she's crazy and so they get back to the States, and she has spent two weeks being trained how to act um, and be docile and take the psychological abuse.
2: So whenever they get back, she had tried a few times while they were in Thailand to escape her husband and was immediately met with, you know, oh, you're mentally unstable and, and you've got a history of, of doing crazy things. And now he has a documented report of that because the owner of the hotel or the manager of the hotel documents her outburst in the middle of the lobby so they get back home and as they get on the flight she realizes that something has been slipped to her and she's so groggy that she can't walk off the plane she has to be wheeled off so they get back to their home she's sleepy and groggy and he says you know do you want to see the house it was really important that I get you the house that you want do you want to see it and so he takes her around and he starts showing her different rooms in the house and just how how beautiful and how lovely this house is, which also happens to have super high fences. Um, but then he takes her into the utility closet and shows her the rotting body of her dog um, and basically tells her that she needs to either bury it or he's going to toss it in the trash can. So... In this moment, we find out just kind of what level of monster that we're dealing with. And he starts to explain his plan a little bit with how he's using her to get Millie to come into his house. At first, he's a uh, she calls him a, a bit of a generous jailer. She has her own room separate to his, but he makes sure the master bedroom looks like she sleeps there. And he actually says during their honeymoon that the idea of having sex with her just disgusts him. That's not what he's after, which is kind of an interesting interesting dynamic. So anyway, he puts her in a room that originally is nice. It's kind of set up like a hotel room. She's got something to make coffee and tea, and she's got books and a few luxuries. And after a few times where she tries to escape, whether it's at the supermarket, whenever she tries to tell a police officer what's happening, or just her screaming and hollering and trying to run out of the house, pushing into the side whenever he brings her food, she starts to realize how much of a prisoner she truly is. And she begins to feel that her situation is hopeless. So one of the things that he does is he remembers that she has a love for painting. There's a painting that she made for him out of lipstick and like kissing a a canvas over and over again. She made him this painting out of doing that. And he goes, Oh, Hey, like I want you to paint for me. And she goes, Oh, okay. Like something that brings her a little bit of joy. um, During the days whenever she's stuck in this room by herself uh, with no food. And then he tells her, I want you to paint this portrait from a photograph. And whenever he hands her the photograph, it turns out to be uh, one of his clients. And it's a photo of her after she's been abused. So her face is battered and bleeding. And he hands the photo to her and just says, oh, look how beautiful she is. Beaten and bruised and bleeding. And so he commissions these photos for her to make and she starts painting them. Not sure what's going to happen with him, but eventually she's taken out to her first dinner party, and she's basically told that if she puts one foot out of line, things are going to go really badly for her really quickly. Um, he goes so far as to pick out her outfits. He watches her change to make sure that she's not sneaking anything out of the house. He checks her purse to make sure it's empty. Just a lot of
0: really intense things. Once they get back from Thailand and all this kind of conditioning happens, she does finally get to see uh, Millie after weeks and weeks because of her, uh, on top of kind of taking away her luxuries, as Danielle pointed out, he also takes away visits with Millie as punishments for Grace acting out. So after they finally get to see Millie, they, uh, Millie kind of finds a way to speak to Grace alone in the bathroom of this hotel and, uh, basically tells her that Jack pushed her down the stairs, essentially breaking her leg. So Grace pleads with her that, you know, we have to keep this a secret. Uh, It's important for you and I, our safety, that we keep it a secret and we will, uh, I promise I'll fix this. So uh, as their inside joke, basically, um, she kind of masks Jack as George, George Clooney. So she says, I like you, Jack, you're a good man, but I don't like George Clooney. So that's kind of their little uh, way of communicating in secret. So after basically a year of this, finally we get to um Millie's birthday party so on one trip to Millie's they do mention something about Millie coming to see the home and maybe having a birthday party for her and of course this is uh, not planned and so Jack is pretty upset by it but then Grace kind of manipulates him into thinking that she also doesn't want the party and so he To Keep Face says that they need to have this birthday party for Millie. But unfortunately for Jack, word spreads and Esther would like to bring her children to meet Millie and celebrate her birthday. So basically everyone just gets invited to Millie's birthday, including her caregiver at the school, and they host this birthday party. So they come to the home, and Millie, Jack shows Millie and her caregiver all around, and of course they get to the room that is staged as Millie's bedroom, and it is a beautiful yellow room that Millie just of course loves, but Grace is just kind of taken back because of course she knows that Millie will never stay there because Jack has planned another room for her down in the basement, which is the red room that he has referenced in the past, and that he has decorated with these horrific paintings that Grace has made. Also, during the birthday party, Jack surprises Grace with two tickets to a second trip to Thailand that he has planned before Millie comes to live with them.
1: We are at the birthday party. He's given her these tickets to Thailand. Um, It's also important to note here that Esther has a moment, um, with Jack where Jack has always said red is Millie's favorite color. and um, that's why he's painting her room red. But at the birthday party, Millie's like, yellow, my favorite color. And Esther's like, what? I thought it was red. Um, and Jack's like, no, it's yellow. It's always been yellow. Um, so it's an interesting tie-in that happens later. So these tickets to Thailand to, uh, the second trip opened up an opportunity, Um, that Grace hadn't particularly expected. So Millie has been faking sleeping problems in order to get sleeping pills, and she's been collecting them. And she finally gets another opportunity to talk to Grace alone, and she gives all these sleeping pills to her and says, you know, we're going to kill George Clooney. Grace is like, no, we can't do this, and pretends to flush the pills, but she actually keeps them. And then the days leading up to the trip to Thailand, she refuses to eat. As such, Jack's obviously concerned because if he dies, he doesn't get Millie. If she dies, he doesn't get Millie. And so he, she talks him into each night bringing her a glass of whiskey, drinking it with her, and then she'll eat for him. Finally, after a couple nights, he gets comfortable and she's able to slip the sleeping pills into the drink. Not Obviously, they take a while to take effect. So then she starts a battle with him. Gets him to go into the red room, which is in the basement, and um, has a one-way door. So you can go in it, and those doors on the, the handle unlocks on the outside. But once you're in the room, there's no getting out unless someone lets you out. So she actually traps him in there, and then she calls Esther and takes off to Thailand. Esther drives her, you know, gets drives her to the airport. Grace goes to Thailand. She goes sightseeing. Um, She does all the things you would do if you were in Thailand, but the whole time she's making calls back to the house and to Jack saying, you know, hey, where are you? You're having a great time. Can't wait for you to meet me out here. And then as the days goes on, she gets more concerned, you know, like you're supposed to have met me. You know, I want to, I need to hear from you. Um, Could you call me back, please? Um, And then eventually she reaches out to Adam, his uh, Jack's friend, and says, you know, I haven't heard from Jack all my whole trip. Um, could you go check on him, please? Adam lets her know uh, That sometime, you know, during this time Jack has actually died and It looks like he's kind of tried to take his own life because he is um, That's just what it seems like from the beginning and so Grace acts like she's just incredibly distraught and She, you know, she has a breakdown. Um, She's crying. She's, you know, everyone's seeing her react to his death and Then she's on a flight back to the States um, after having spent her second trip in Thailand in a much better situation than her
0: first. So she gets back and, um, like Jade said, it seems like it's it's an apparent suicide under this kind of ruse that jack has lost his first court case and was just too overwhelmed by uh disappointment i guess that he decided to commit suicide so once she gets back to the states she is anticipating you know uh, being interviewed by the police to discuss this further and so she's working out the details in her mind and esther picks her esther picks her up from the airport and says why don't we get coffee before?" So as they're sitting down to coffee, Esther starts to grill Grace about her story, and it kind of comes to the realization that that Esther is making sure that she has these, every point of her story makes sense, Um, and she kind of nonchalantly says, you know, we saw him wave goodbye from the study when I picked you up to go to the airport. So kind of this realization that She's got a partner in crime, pretty much, so Esther's going to back her up.
2: Yes, and Esther is just a boss in this scene, and really throughout the whole thing, she's very quizzical. She definitely tries to pry into what's going on in this seemingly perfect relationship. She kind of starts to chip away, or tries to chip away, at what's going on. So Esther is one who shows up at their house unannounced to bring a copy of a book to Grace, Um, and Grace hasn't been allowed to have a book in quite some time. But in this moment, you're really just like championing Esther because she goes, all right, let's help you get things worked out. And it's just, it's an amazing moment of triumph for Grace as she moves out of this life of terror and realizes that she does have some friends.
1: With that, we hope that
2: you tune in with us
1: tomorrow when we release the podcast about Behind Closed Doors. But until then, this... uh gave you a brief background, a 30-minute summary, if you will, about the book. Um, As always, we suggest you go read it for yourselves, but if not, we look forward to you tuning in tomorrow. BRB, BRB, BRB for now.